Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Wednesday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi streaming with you at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky for right now. Brian Haydad will join us in a little bit. And Brian Scott Rippey will be along later this afternoon. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online, mslandbank.com, where they know the lay of the land. If you're looking for a piece of land, or if you've found a piece of land and you're ready to buy it, then Mississippi Land Bank may be the way that you need to go for your financing needs. They've been financing land for 100 years. They're located in North Mississippi. They are serving the northern 32 counties of North Mississippi. So if you're in North Mississippi and you've got land financing needs of any kind, you can find a branch location near you scattered across North Mississippi, or you can uh, give them a call. Talk to them about what it is that you need. You'll be dealing with fantastic people at Mississippi Land Bank where they know the lay of the land. Good to be with you on this Wednesday. Today is National Signing Day, and I guess we're just calling it that now as opposed to the start of the early signing period. And it looks like everybody, at least for the most part, is uh, is done for today. A lot of coverage this afternoon of National Signing Day coming your way. We'll look at the uh, the classes that Mississippi State and Ole Miss and Southern Miss uh, have, uh, kind of how they've addressed needs that they have, where uh, they rank in the SEC, where we'll they rank nationally. We'll also do Mississippi State, by the way. I said Mississippi State first. I said we'll start... Uh, did I? I thought you said Ole Miss it? and Southern Miss. I may have missed it, but no, no. I said we'll take a look at Mississippi State and Ole Miss and Southern Miss. I said Mississippi State first. Um, a little bit later, uh, we will try to bring you some of what Joe Moorhead had to say. I had a little bit of trouble finding his press conference audio. Brian Haydad will join us in just a bit. Uh, in fact, right now in Oxford, Matt Luke is doing his National Signing Day press conference. So for uh, for the next couple of minutes, let's listen into that. February. I mean, you just kind of addressed that, but uh, defensive players, well, I would think more maybe than offensive players. Yeah, I think uh, I think probably two spots in the D line, one spot at linebacker. And I think I think that'll be that'll be important. You probably want to look at one more receiver, maybe one more running back. Uh, but but I do think that two spots in the D line and a spot at linebacker will be critical. But the, and that, that's the that's the good thing about this early signing period is you have now you can focus in and you can you can lock in and you can go get those guys. And I think. I think uh, we, we'll have a couple of guys that are committed that will sign in February, but you also can narrow your focus and go after your needs, which which is good. Questions? You have two signees, Matt, from Tupelo High School. Can you comment specifically on what you expect from Jordan Jernigan and Tay Standifer? Yeah, I'm uh, really, really, I mean, first of all, Great, great young men, great families. Uh, really enjoyed uh, getting to know those guys as people, but they're also really, really good players with a bright future. You know, Tay had an unfortunate injury with his Achilles, 
so he'll ha he'll have to get healthy. But he's an early enrollee. We'll be able to come in early and start rehabbing early. But but Jordan is a he's a dynamic playmaker, and you know he'll 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 fit right into our wideout room. So we're really excited about those guys. Can you see Faye linebacker? I, I do. When he when he came to camp and we offered him out of camp, he was uh, 195 pounds. When when he came here the last time, he was 223 pounds already. So you're, you're looking at a long, athletic linebacker that, that's going to have a bright future. Questions? Going back to looking ahead to February, do you plan on being involved in the graduate transfer market at all and looking into that sort of thing, or are you mostly involved? No, I, in I, think, I think you're always in that market. You know, you're you're kind of the best available to fill needs. And so I think, uh, I think you'll always be in that market at, at certain positions. And, uh, and and we will be as well. Matt, it just it seemed like you were able to make up some ground late there with some Horn Lake guys. Can you tell us when you got? I know a lot of times you don't like to talk about guys you didn't get. Right. But uh, when were you informed on the decisions from uh, those two? Uh, today, and, and, and like and like you said, you don't want to focus on. You know, the guys you don't get, you want to focus on the ones you do get because really one player or two players don't define your class. And, again, this is another top 20 recruiting class, and there's a lot of great young men here. But, uh, and, obviously, those guys are good players, and, and they'll have great futures. But uh, for us, you want to focus on the guys you did get because those are the guys that are going to come in. That's what we're going to build this program with. I know it's early, but does anyone stick out immediately to help you all on the defensive side immediately next year? Yeah, you I mean, you say the junior college guys for sure, because that's why you sign them. You sign them to come in and, and help immediately. So Jamar and Jonathan, uh, you know, from Jones, I think they can come in and make an immediate impact. Obviously, Sam uh, being a, a really, really good pass rusher, uh, you know, I think those guys can come in and help us immediately. You know, you take Drummond, who's another first-team All-American junior college receiver that can come in and help immediately. So when you say immediate needs, you look at the junior college guys because that's why you're taking them. Well, I was going to ask you, even though today is a signing day, it kind of ties in. Do you want to comment on your offensive coordinator search? Yeah, you know, it, it's been uh, obviously these last three weeks you're going in and you're, you're, you know, you're recruiting, and my focus was on the D.C. and recruiting, and now my, my focus can kind of shift to that uh, offensive coordinator and get the right fit for the program and it's a it's a great opportunity for me because you, you saw the um, I think the improvement you see that you're going to have with with Mike McIntyre and you're going to see a very similar improvement on the offensive side of the ball so it's an opportunity for me to get back we're getting back to 85 scholarships so I can put my stamp on this program and I'm really really excited about the opportunity to do that to have coordinators in here that I'm picking that I'm hiring and and, and create that culture that we're looking for. Do you expect Dennis Jackson to be somebody who could come in and make an impact early, or do you see him as probably going to be somebody who may end up redshirting? I think uh, I think Dennis is a very dynamic player, so I think he will have a role early just because of his mm -hmm. speed and his explosion. I think uh, as far as punt returning, kick returning, speed sweeps, receiver, he can do a lot of different things, and he's very, very dynamic and, and definitely one of the top you know, two or three wide receivers in, in the state for this class and, and, and in the country. So I'm really, really excited about Dennis. What about Jaden Jackson? Jaden, All right, that's, thing. Uh, that's Matt Luke very, visiting very with uh, media, his uh, National Signing Day press conference, missed his opening statement, uh, but said that he was excited about the guys that were uh, were coming in. Uh, you heard him talk about some of the specific players. Uh, he was asked just a moment ago about offensive coordinator and said that his focus had been 
uh, primarily on the defensive coordinator search, and uh, which they got taken care of what early last week, and uh, on recruiting, getting to National Signing Day, and he'll kind of shift his focus now to that offensive coordinator search. I've had heard some people say that uh, they think maybe by the end of the week. Uh, if not by the end of the week, you would tend to think that it would be after Christmas. So Christmas is next Tuesday. Um, but I don't know. That doesn't necessarily mean that, uh, that that's the case one way or the other. Um, you heard, I think it was Parrish Alford asked the question about the uh, the two Horn Lake players that not did not sign. Uh, obviously, that was a big part of uh, today for, uh, for Ole Miss. There were people that were holding out hope that N'Kobe Dean who is uh, what the number three outside linebacker in the country was going to uh, to commit to Ole Miss or sign his national letter of intent to Ole Miss? That did not happen. Uh, in his press conference, he picked Georgia, put a Georgia sweatshirt or t-shirt or something on. And uh, who was the other? Borky, it was uh, Radarius Radar Jones. Radar Jones, who was a quarterback at Horn Lake, but is expected to be a corner back at LSU. He's 6'2", and, oh, I don't know, 190 or so pounds. And there have been some really, uh, for a guy who has not really played corner all that much, there have been some pretty strong comparisons for potentially what he could be. He's going to Baton Rouge and uh, will play for LSU and Ed Ogeron. Uh, there were people that were really excited about the potential of those two guys being part of Ole Miss, and there were some people that cover recruiting that, uh, you know, over the last couple of days thought that there was a possibility uh, that those were going to happen. Um, interesting quote. I, I think this was with the Clarion Ledger about uh, Nicobe Dean. He was asked um, how close he was to uh, to going with Ole Miss. And said it was, um, let's see, I don't have the specific quote in front of me. said, um, kept his phone on all day, answered every call from every coach today, and continued to waffle, kind of based on who he spoke to last. Um, so, you know, you, you wonder sometimes about when these decisions are actually made. And it's kind of crazy to think about. If, if you're... A highly sought-after recruit, you know there's a certain window in which you've got to make your decision. It's just kind of hard to wrap your mind around the idea that a decision this big is one that you would make based on how you feel on the day you got to make the decision. But maybe that's not really all that different from life. I mean, maybe you're choosing between a couple of jobs and you go back and forth and back and forth, and there comes a point where you just got to make a decision, and you do that. So... Um, Nicobe Dean is going to go play for Kirby Smart in Georgia. And obviously where Georgia is as a program compared to where Ole Miss as a program is right now, really not close. Uh, I mean, not close at all. Georgia won an SEC championship a year ago, played for another one this year, played in the national championship game last season. They're playing in the, uh, in the Sugar Bowl against Texas this year. Uh, Ole Miss... Coming off probation, hadn't been to a bowl game in a couple of seasons. Very different places where those programs are right now. Brian Haydad will join us next. We'll take a look at Mississippi State signing class. We'll dive into Ole Miss's class a little bit later on. Also take a look at Southern Miss in the Renaissance Bank studio. Mississippi with you 
On this Wednesday afternoon, National Signing Day, Richard Cross, Michael Borky's in the studio. Brian Haydad is on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. That is Mississippi Farm Bureau. I'm sure Haydad has been doing the National Signing Day thing today, getting set for some basketball tonight. He was up late last night watching Mississippi State women's basketball. What's up, Haydad? What's up, man? Good, good to talk to you here on this always exciting National Signing Day. Yeah, I would agree that for lots of people, this is a really exciting day. For the state of Mississippi, really for, well, we'll just talk about this year. I don't make it two years in a row. It's been a day that, quite frankly, hasn't had a whole lot of drama to it. Yeah, uh, there was some drama last night on the Mississippi State side as you, as you, the news sort of trickled out that DJ James was not going to sign today for Mississippi State and he's going to wait it out. That Gregory Brooks was going to flip to Arkansas. That, that news came out later last night that Derek Hall was likely leaning towards Auburn. And then the, today, all of that happened. And for Mississippi State, for the most part, the guys they expected to sign did uh, with a couple of exceptions, and, or I guess with just one exception now that I think about it. And uh, they're they're ready to move forward into the uh, the next you know part of this recruiting cycle the uh, the January cycle which will uh, likely close out the class. All right, so we talked some yesterday about some of the individual guys in the class, and we'll do that again this afternoon. But as far as early enrollees go, guys that will be on campus for uh, for spring practice, I, I saw the news today that uh, that Joe Moorhead said Garrett Schrader, the uh, the quarterback from Charlotte, North Carolina, is actually going to participate in the next couple of bowl practices. Uh, so not just an early enrollee, but on campus immediately. How many? Who? Uh, what's going to be there early? Uh, I know Schrader is. I think a couple other guys will, will be practicing as well. And this has sort of become a tradition at Mississippi State. Nick Fitzgerald started it uh, in the mm-hmm. uh, December, in December of 2013. He came in when the state was preparing for the uh, the Liberty Bowl that year. Keaton Thompson came in uh, in state's preparations for the St. Petersburg Bowl Bowl two years ago. So you know, talking to Moorhead today, he he asked about he was asked about that and said, you know, it's basically just a, a, a getting your feet wet. You know, just just. It, every little bit of, of practice helps, especially when you're talking about a guy who's coming in. He's gonna he's gonna have the whole spring. He's gonna have the off season to start getting acclimated. The sooner the better uh, for Garrett Schrader and, for, and really for all of those guys. And so they'll get about what um, I, I think they'll only practice. I would be surprised if they they practice much when the team arrives down in uh, in Florida. But the week the remaining up here, they'll, they'll they'll get a good bit of reps in when they do their developmental drills. So, so two or three days of practice before the team breaks for uh, yeah. for Christmas, and then goes to uh, goes to the bowl game. Yeah, what you yeah. said though kind of makes sense. Wh- whenever you go through your first practices, there's got to be a little bit of like wide eye. Oh, this is how they stretch. This is the this is the pace for practice. This is going drill to drill. And if you can get that out of the way now, then maybe you can hit the ground running more in the spring. Or if you do it in the spring, then you get it where you can can really get rolling in the fall, I guess, right? Exactly. I mean, it's just like anything else. You know, the more preparation you have, the the better chance you have to to be good at it. You know, preparation. What is what is it? Opportunity only comes before preparation in the dictionary, something like that. I don't know. So yeah, I mean, how can it be a bad thing to get? N O P. Yeah, yeah. Opportunity does come before. There you go. Because I'm smart. Yeah, I mean, how can it be a bad thing to get these guys in there and give them a few reps with, you know, and get them practicing with college players so they have an idea of what's going on? So let's see. As far as Mississippi guys, um, and 
the the list I have in, uh, some of these either may not sign until February or could be later. Um, Javante Payton, we talked about him yesterday. Did he sign today? No, we'll we'll, we'll wait until February. Okay, so that's in February. He's out of Senatobia. Nathan yeah. Pickering out of Seminary. February. Yeah. Uh, LaQuinston Sharp, an offensive lineman out of East Mississippi, so coming from Scuba. Yeah, signed today. Uh, Purvis, uh, how do you say his name? Javius? Javius? Javius Purvis? They just call him JP. So JP, that makes it a little bit easier. Uh, what position is he going to play? He's listed as an athlete. Uh, talking to Moorhead today, he will start on the defensive side of the ball. I would imagine he'll start as a safety. Uh, okay. But he could, I mean, when you look at his, his frame, he's six foot two. He could probably very easily grow into an outside linebacker kind of position, or, or you know, be a, one of those versatile guys like Jonathan Abrams been for MSU and play safety, play star, play wherever you need him on the field. But he will definitely start on the defensive side of the ball. Brandon Cunningham, an offensive lineman from Ocean Springs. Um, we talked yesterday about Pruitt being a guy that might not end up being part of this class. Is that still the case? Pruitt, Kaziah Pruitt, Kaziah Pruitt. No, he signed today. You see, this recruiting thing makes me want to bang my head against the it's wall because I can't man. remember who's who. It's getting you. It's getting you. It You're going to be all right, though. We're going to get all you right. through this. Charles Moore, Louisville. February. Charles Cross out of Laurel. Signed. That's my cousin. That's what we were talking about, yeah. you have to, I'll get you a cowbell. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> thanks. That's not the first time you've offered that. Um, let's see, DeMonte Russell, <laughs> the uh, the defensive end out of Jackson, signed today. Signed. Uh, Jack Harris from Hattiesburg. Signed. Fred Peters from Ellisville. So that's junior college What coming from uh, Jones College, Jones County. Yep. He's, he's signed. And then Jerry and Jones from Brandon, that was that was one of the ones that we were talking about. Yeah, he's, where, he's, he, okay. he's in, and okay. he will start. He's another guy as an athlete that talking to Moorhead today, plans to start him off at cornerback. Okay, so those are the Mississippi guys. So that's a pretty good group of guys from uh, from the state of Mississippi. Did, did you get a sense as to like from a philosophy standpoint? Is it still? Mississippi and then widen the net, which was kind of the yeah. way Dan Mullen approached things. Same philosophy kind of with Moorhead? Yeah, the way he described it was re- local, which to him is sort of the golden triangle in, in, in the state of Mississippi. Then the footprint, which would be Alabama, Louisiana, parts of Tennessee, parts of Georgia, parts of Florida, and then national. So the way he described the, the guys who signed today of the 14 guys, he said, I think he said eight were Mississippi kids. Uh, five were in the footprint, and then the one national guy, which is Garrett Schrader, the quarterback from Charlotte. Who's the most important piece of this class on paper coming in? <sighs> Probably Schrader. I mean, for Moorhead, you know, we, we talked all season long about having his quarterback, and and that's the guy. That's the guy for him. He As he said today, he's been recruiting him since he was a sophomore in high school. He had him. He would have gone to Penn State in all likelihood if Moorhead were still there as the offensive coordinator. That's Joe Moorhead's quarterback. I, I think you know the quarterback is always the most important guy in the class. And for MSU, you're talking about a kid who's you know four-star kid, played in North Carolina, so played against good competition. Big kid, six foot four and a half, two hundred fifteen pounds. You know he'll put on 10, 15 pounds of muscle when he gets into a college uh, training program. Number six dual threat quarterback in the country. 
his highlights. I mean, he looks like a, a good quarterback on on film. Obviously, you know, I'm not a coach and I don't really know what I'm evaluating, but I, I I can see no good plays when I see them, and he looks the part. And like I said, he's Moorhead's guy. That's the first recruit that Mississippi State had pop up on the radar. That was sort of a new name mm-hmm. when Moorhead was hired, and it wasn't long after that you got the the sense, yeah, he's going to be at Mississippi State, and that he's going to be Moorhead's sort of quarterback of the future. So, so you say that. Um, Garrett Schrader is the most important piece of the class. Who who's the guy, or are there a couple of guys that you think could have kind of an immediate impact? I think that you know when you look at what state's losing on the defensive line for depth purposes, uh, I, I like the idea that the two guys who haven't signed yet, honestly, uh, Pickering and Moore, because I think their their bodies are a little bit more college ready. Pickering is six three and a half, two eighty six. Moore is 6'4 and 270. And when you look at the other two D-line signings that stay brought in today, DeMonte Russell, he's listed at 6'4 and 216. He obviously needs to put some some weight on his frame. And then King Ani, who, again, we're, we're just going to have to go with that, uh, 6'4, 230. He doesn't need to do much, but I, I think physically those two guys are probably a little bit more ready to play. And then from the, the junior college safety, Fred Peters, that, that's almost an, a guarantee to play. I think he might have a chance to slide into the role left by another Jones County alum, Jonathan Abram. He, he could be that strong safety next year or at least be in the mix for, for playing time then beyond that you know state's obviously going to be looking for wide receivers you know nobody really stepped up this year and became that guy so there's going to yeah. be an opportunity for a guy like quentin torbor or a guy like Kaziah pruitt to to you know have have that chance come fall to to you know get into that rotation so obviously i want to look at, at at peters as the first guy and then those defensive linemen once they get on campus because of what state's losing on on that position group they're going to have an opportunity to at least you know make their 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 statement give this last name a shot is it ani Izuchukwu? is that what we're going with what did you say because i'm going to go with that i went with Izuchukwu. It's I Z U C H U K W U. This way. Let's just put it this way. State had the big board with all the players' names on it, and mm-hmm. for him it said King Ani. <laughs> They're not even trying. So the I, I defensive end out of Nashville. Said, yeah, they said that I, I just wish Jack Crystal was still alive so he would have to pronounce his name one time. Zuchikwu lines up on the yeah. left side. That's 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 not a good one. Come on now. I know it's not. I know that it's yeah, not. Really and really deep. I can do a better one. All right. Just not not on demand today. Yeah. We got more coming up with you. It's uh, Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Max Studio. With you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. I think it's a difficult neighborhood to live in from a recruiting standpoint when you play in the SEC, specifically when you play in the SEC West. If you look at the national rankings right now, hey, Dad, this is a little insane. Alabama, shockingly, currently has the number one class in the country. Georgia, who Alabama played in the SEC championship game, has the number two class. So there's a little hat tip to the Eastern Division. Then it's Texas A&M at number three. Anybody shocked that Jimbo Fisher has a top five recruiting class in year two at Texas A&M? Anyone? Anyone? No, sir. No. At number four, LSU. 
At number 12, Arkansas. How about that? Arkansas finishes dead last, does not win an SEC game, and this is what they've been talking about all season, all year long in the state of Arkansas. Yes, it's bad this year, and it may be bad next year, but look at what Chad Morris is doing on the recruiting trail. 12th best class in the country. Auburn is at number 14. Then you get to a couple of Eastern Division teams at Tennessee at 16, Florida at 17, South Carolina at 21. That's a bunch of SEC teams. Then you get to Mississippi State at number 22 and Ole Miss at number 23. Kentucky is 28, Missouri 32, and Vanderbilt somewhere down the line, 44. So all 14 programs in the SEC are in the top 50, but Mississippi State is, what, number 10, and Ole Miss is number 11 at numbers 22 and 23 nationally. How do you make up any ground? You don't. You sign in-state kids in your own backyard. Well, you try to do that, but then when you have a bumper crop like you had this year in 2019, that's when the big boys show up to take them. That's how Nicobe Dean's at Georgia and Brandon Turnage is at Alabama. Jaron Handy is at Auburn. Um, you know, that, that's sort of, sort of the, uh, the way it goes. Certainly not going down this road today because it, you know, some of you have pointed out it's the, the crazy hypothetical, but it's the reason that we've had the conversation in the past of what if you just had one SEC program in the state of Mississippi? You still wouldn't get everybody, no. but you wouldn't be fighting against each other and you'd have an entire, but again, there's no reason to go down that road today. Um, what about running backs in the class this year for Mississippi State? Just one signed. Uh, another one is still committed, but evidently going to wait until February. But Lee Witherspoon uh, out of Stevenson, Alabama. What an interesting guy. Sort of came onto the radar uh, about midway through football season. And uh, Borky, were you an NCAA or a Madden guy? NCAA more than Madden. Okay, but you you play football oh, yeah. video games. I know Richard's not much for that. May they so. rest in peace. Yes, yes, yes. Well, we found out today that Moorhead uh, and his son still play NCAA, and we're trying to organize a media tournament. I will let you know <laughs> if it happens because you're coming to Starkville <laughs> if it does. That would be a blast. Um, but that said, Witherspoon rushed for 2,800 yards this season in Alabama. He scored 53 touchdowns. Now, and, that, and that's the comment that – Moorhead made. He said, "I can't do that playing NCAA Road to Glory. I can't. I can't get there with those kind of numbers." So, I don't. You know, like I said, this guy's sort of under the radar. He had a pretty good week out at a Mississippi Alabama All Star game, but they had him on defense. I think this is a really under the radar signing. And I mean, you. I, I don't care who you're playing against. Putting up those kind of numbers is head turning. So, for Mississippi State, you know, they, running back wasn't a huge priority. They needed one more for depth than anything else because you know Kylan Hill is going to be the guy next year. Mm-hmm. But if, if that's the way they went, it talks about explosive plays. Which you know, going back to the to August, that was sort of what we talked about with with Moorhead. He wanted explosive plays. A guy who rushed for nearly three thousand yards and sixty touchdowns. That's, that's, I'm pretty sure he can generate an explosive play or two. In some ways, and I'm not saying they are at all the same running back, 
But in some ways, it's the way that we looked at Isaiah Woolard coming out of high school in Mississippi, mm-hmm. right? I mean, the all-time leading rusher, and you, you just yeah. look and you go, whoa, is that really, was it 5,000 or 6,000 or 8,000 yards rushing, whatever the, the insane number was? And you go, well, I don't know if I really care what the level of competition was. Right. That's hard to do. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 worth an offer. It's worth a flyer on this guy. You know, if it if it doesn't pan out, then you know you go out next year. And you, maybe you find another guy. But you know, the, you can't turn away your. You can't look away from that kind of production. If you can get, you have a chance to get a guy like that on your roster. I think it, it's worth taking advantage of it if you're Mississippi State. All right, now the the kid that that chose Arkansas uh, made the the flip at the end. What what was the story there? Arkansas had been recruiting him uh, basically uh, throughout the process, and he had visited there, and, you know, he, he never got the impression that Mississippi State, even though he was committed, was, you know, you got the impression that Arkansas was lurking. And I guess here at the end, he just decided that Arkansas was the place he wanted to be, and he uh, let the coaches know from what I was from what I read, uh, you know, he, he let the coaches know last night that he would be uh, signing with Arkansas on a signing day, and just decided to make that flip. So that's we'll Gregory see where, see where Brooks. His State's lost three DBs to Arkansas in the last two signing classes. Hmm. He's out of, ran, uh, out of I mean, Marrero, Louisiana, North, New yeah. Orleans area. Yeah. yeah, and 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 good player, but you know, this is one of those things where you know I don't want to go too far down into it because I'm, I, I certainly don't want to criticize the kid's decision. You 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 can go wherever you want, young man. I don't care, but. It's just one of those things where he must have felt really good about the relationships at Arkansas and the coaching staff there, because from a just from a wins and losses and a production and a put you in the NFL standpoint, it's it's sort of odd that you would choose Arkansas over Mississippi State at this point. Yeah, no, I I don't disagree with that. Um, and look, I mean, uh, all the. Uh, <sighs> I'm trying to say if there, figure out if there's an easy way or a gentle way to say this, and I don't think there is. So maybe I should just kind of be real when I say it. Sure. If you're the guy that or or the gal that's going on the message board, and the second a kid goes somewhere besides your school, you immediately start talking about how much they got paid. Then you don't really. I don't think have a huge understanding of how recruiting works. Yeah, I would agree that, with that. Uh, no, I would agree with that because at the end of the day, if if we're gonna if we're gonna be honest, if we're gonna be honest, then there's some underhanded dealings at, at all schools. That there just are, and I, I I've always believed that for the most part they balance out. Now you, you might occasionally have somebody jump up and make ridiculous uh, things happen. That might happen every now and then. But for the most part, I think these guys are really picking the school based on the right things. The coaching staff, their they, their ability to get them to the next level, and things of that nature. Now, like I said, is that true all the time? No. no. There, there are some kids who are bought, and then that, that happens. But that's not the majority of the kids. And, and, and for the most part, they're making the decision for the right reason. And for whatever yeah. I mean, Greg Brooks, for whatever reason, he visited Arkansas. He felt more comfortable there, so he's going to go to college there. If you're a kid that is either going to get paid by anybody or is seeking the opportunity to get paid, then you're probably going to get paid wherever you go, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, that that is available pretty much wherever you go. Niles sends us a message on the Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter feed, at Sports Talk M-I-S-S. He says, in my opinion, high school kids' top two priorities when signing. One, win championships. Two, if you can't win a championship, early playing time. Period. And the number one is... For certain players, you're missing one. It's path to the NFL. Yeah, seventeen year old sort of sort of ties into that though. But yeah, but it's for the elite prospects that actually have a shot at making the NFL. That's number one. Is will you get me to the league in three years? Is that the greatest recruiting pitch that Nick Saban has going right now? Yes, and that's something that you know. When you look at defensive linemen, that's a pitch Mississippi State is able to make right now. They can point, like, look at Fletcher Cox, $102 million. Look at Chris Jones. He's about to get $100 million. He got snubbed by the Pro Bowl, by the way. Exactly, yeah. Montez Sweat and Jeff Simmons are going to be first-round picks in a few months. You could be that next guy. That's that's the recruiting pitch the kids want to hear. I can be the next whoever. And in five years, I can be a multimillionaire. So at Mississippi State, that pitch is to defensive linemen, and at Ole Miss, that pitch is to wide receivers. Wide receivers, yeah. That's why Dennis Jackson is a rebel today, probably more than any other reason, and why Jonathan Mingo is still committed to them. Yeah, and, and it starts, I guess if you want to hit the rewind button, it starts with Dante Moncrief, yeah. and then it goes to Laquan Treadwell, and now you fast forward to A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, and you know we'll see who else. See who the um, next one is. There's something to that. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm with you. We've got more coming up in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. I'm listening closely to make sure there are no like hidden messages that I'm supposed to get. Am I good on this one? Yeah, no, that was the only one. All right. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this uh, this Wednesday afternoon. Text message to the C Spire text line. You can text the show 601-879-4395. Again, 601-879-4395. Somebody says, uh, learn when to let it go, Richard. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Probably, Probably could have done it yesterday, but, you know, it's your show, not mine. Well, yeah, but... Just seemed like there was a little. You're the one that kept it going. You told me there was a cryptic message in one of your bump music songs and brought it all back up. I'd argue Luke has some role in this too for going caroling. Oh yeah, yeah. And we didn't know that Luke was going caroling, so it just kind of added to it. But no, with that, thanks for the advice. I had kind of already decided on my own that I was going to let it go and move on. But nevertheless, uh, good to be with you this afternoon again. You can text the show on that C Spire text line. C Spire, customer inspired. Don't forget, if your phone's a little rough around the edges, there's a single place you can trust for all your phone repairs. C Spire. C Spire stores from Brandon to Tupelo are now certified phone repair locations. They can fix any problem on any device from any carrier in most cases while you wait. Stop by today. C Spire, customer inspired. Brian Scott Rippey, that's the voice you heard just a moment ago. What's up, Rip? Not much. Happy National Signing Day to you. Thanks. It's been a little bit of a long day, but powering through. A lot of Red Bull in the system. So we talked about the national rankings earlier, and Ole Miss is a top 25 
national signing class. I don't know if that matters because they're 11th in the SEC. So if you're looking at it from a a national standpoint, they're in the top 20% of signing classes in the entire college football landscape, but in their own league, 11th. It's hard to overcome. You know, you're looking up at basically everybody else in the league. And right, wrong, or indifferent, this is a day that for a lot of people is going to be about who Ole Miss didn't get today as opposed to who they did get. Yeah, it will be. I mean, that's kind of what I'm in the process of writing about at the moment. But yeah, I mean, you, you, you miss on Nicobe Dean. You miss on Jones. Turnage sticks with Alabama. Hall on the coast goes to Auburn. I mean, it, it was, it will probably be remembered for that, fairly or unfairly, but that's kind of the way it is when you have a in-state class this talented and don't kind of capitalize on some of them. Yeah. Um, what about, so instead of instead of spending a ton of time, at least right out of the gate, on who Ole Miss didn't get, you, you look at signing classes, and there are lots of ways to evaluate them, but one of the ways that you evaluate them is what were the areas on your roster you had holes, and did you fill those holes? So did Ole Miss fill holes? Did they fulfill needs in this signing class? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, you're losing a good bit of your offensive line next year. They signed seven offensive linemen, four linebackers, two quarterbacks, which is what you what you needed there. So, yeah, I think they addressed some needs, and they've still got a little bit of wiggle room. I, the bulk of their work is done, but, you know, they'll probably go after two more guys on the defensive line, maybe another linebacker, something like that. So, yeah, they filled some needs, and if you're talking about sheer numbers for depth. What about what's left between now and February because Ole Miss has got some spots I think that they can fill that that they can add to this signing class what's left out there um that could ultimately make this better between now and then make this a better class not make the situation better well I I guess the biggest thing would be Jerry and Ely signing um whether he actually comes I guess is a whole nother story in terms of the baseball draft and all of that but you have that and then you know, they'll probably add five or six more guys. And kind of like I said a second ago, I think it'll be probably mostly defensive focus, defensive line, a linebacker. Um, you know, maybe add another offensive lineman and another skill spot, but probably, you know, you're looking at front seven mostly on the defensive side. Borky, what was your freshman year at Ole Miss? 2012? Um, graduated high school in 2010. So the Fall of twenty. Fall of twenty ten. Yeah. So, you're coming up on nearly a decade of signing days, and Rippy, you, you grew up following Ole Miss, right? Yeah. How how long have you kind of followed recruiting and National Signing Day? Decade or so? Is that fair? Give or take. Yeah, maybe a little less. I mean, I don't know how into it I was at age thirteen, but you know what I mean. <laughs> No, no, Somewhere I get that. Well, and, and what I'm I'm tying this to a, a tweet that Doug sent in. He said, "Tell BSR to just copy and paste last year's column and change the names and the dates because it's the same every year. It's about who Ole Miss didn't get versus who they did get." But this is the situation different this year, though. I mean, so, some of the reasons that maybe the past couple of years Ole Miss didn't get guys, uh, those reasons are no longer. Valid, are they? 
Or is there a lingering effect that makes some of those the reasons The NCAA is not an excuse anymore. True. I think both can be true. I think there's a lingering effect from it in terms of, of perception, and you're still battling that from a disadvantage standpoint. But also to Borky's point, I don't think it's necessarily a valid excuse every, anymore because you know, at, at the state of the program is kind of coming out from from the the wreckage and all of that now. And like, there was a chance here to get some momentum, particularly with kids in your home state. And in a lot of ways, they they didn't do that. So, I, I think in some ways both can be true because I I still think realistically you are dealing with the effects of it because I don't think Ole Miss is perceived as, you know. I don't want to say an unattractive place to go, but you know what I mean. Given what they've dealt with the past couple of years, it it it, it probably makes some kids hesitate as much as they might want to jump on the opportunity to play early. So, you know, I, I still think it affects them some. But to say that's a valid excuse for missing on on some of the kids they did, I I don't think that is accurate. You, you know what's crazy, guys, uh, about this signing class today, and you know, say say about it what you will. Uh, Ole Miss, what eleventh in the SEC, but top twenty five nationally. I think 23 on the rivals' rankings, and that's one spot behind Mississippi State at 22. This is a signing class that will raise no eyebrows anywhere. Nobody is going to look at who Ole Miss signed today and say anything other than, oh, that's just Ole Miss. If N'Kobe Dean had signed, if Brandon Turnage had flipped from Alabama to Ole Miss and let's say one more. What Radar Jones or Jaron Hand? You know, Jaron Hand. Handy. Handy. Sorry. Let's just say those three things had happened. Do you know? You, you know what the conversation already would be, right? They're back to cheating. The NCAA is gone, and Ole Miss is back to cheating. I tweeted about this earlier today, and it's so true. There's there's such hypocrisy in, in college sports media, college football media. For example, I know it's apples to oranges. I know Ole Miss and Mississippi State are not Georgia and they're not LSU right now. I know that. But today, the number one player in the state of Mississippi went to Georgia. Auburn came in and took a couple of high-profile recruits from the state of Mississippi. LSU did, and of course, so did Alabama. If Ole Miss or Mississippi State signed the number one player in the state of Georgia from Atlanta, what would be the media narrative right now? <laughs> well, but Auburn, Auburn's a dumpster fire. They come into Mississippi, sign two high-profile Mississippi kids, and nobody bats an eye. What was your question? It, well, just... If those three things had happened today, when Ole Miss signs the the number eleven class, there's some really good players in there. Number eleven out of the SEC top twenty five class, nobody bats an eye about it because they believe that Ole Miss is you know right where it's supposed to be. Mississippi State tenth best class in the league, number twenty two in the country. Nobody cares. It's good. Do you think is is there anybody that's working on a story right now about Arkansas? signing the 12th best class in America and the 5th best class in the SEC on the heels of going winless in the SEC? Absolutely not. Why not? Hypocrisy is, is really why. Well, one of the days you were out, I just on a whim said that there are there's a protected class in sports media of, of college programs. I didn't but think Arkansas, Arkansas was not one part of them. Group. I know, They're, so I don't know where it comes from. I, maybe they just like Chad Morris. I I don't know, but you're exactly right. And it's not sour grapes because it applies to both Ole Miss and Mississippi State. It's both of them. 
if they went two and ten this year and signed the number twelve class in the country, the columns would be why it's nefarious, it doesn't make sense, and they're cheating. That's exactly what would happen. What were you gonna say, Rippy? You disagree? Yeah, in some ways. I don't think you would see that as aggressively given who's in place now. I think a lot of it had to do who your head coach was and kind of how he carried himself at the time. Chad I don't Morris think carries himself that way. Not as publicly. Not as publicly. And certainly not on social media. Should that really dictate your opinions on a signing class, though? No. It does whether it should well, Whether or not. it should or shouldn't is immaterial, I would say. Doesn't make it right, is my point. Chad Morris isn't asking people not to slander his recruits' families. There was not a come at me bro tweet today. Exactly. Sports Talk Mississippi. Renaissance. I'm telling you why Santa Claus is coming. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Wednesday afternoon, National Signing Day, so a lot of football conversation. Let's look kind of at some of the, the people in the Ole Miss signing class today. We've talked kind of big picture stuff. Two quarterbacks in this class. Uh, one of them is Ken K. Dent, the um, pride of Jackson Academy. Yeah, Raider Nation. Y- you said that with a little pride in your voice there. I did. Um, I didn't know you could graduate early from Jay. I might have tried that. He's a January enrollee. Did you have the opportunity to go be a Division One athlete? I didn't know. I don't know if that's a stipulation for it though. Oh really? So you would have just mailed in the? You would have given up the spring semester of your senior year. It's a pretty good time in life. Versus an early semester of college? Uh, yeah, I get what you're saying. I'm probably going to the latter. I don't know. Borky, I, how do you feel about that? I, I, would, I do not think that I would have given up the spring semester of my senior year. That might have been like the most carefree time of my entire life. Yeah, and, and from a maturity standpoint, I was ill-prepared for college. So going <laughs> hold on, hold on. even earlier. A semester and a summer later, you were still Ill, ill-prepared, right? <laughs> that, that's what I mean. I, so going even earlier would have just not been good for me. I, I, I had to, truthfully, to get introspective, I, I, I had to grow up a lot between my freshman and, say, junior year of college. I, I was not prepared um to be away from home when I first got to school. So I'm glad I didn't have the opportunity to graduate early. Yeah. Rippy's more responsible than the rest of us, though, I think. Yeah, uh, give it another few months. When you get to know him, you'll change your mind. Perhaps. Um, I'll go no comment there. Okay, so we get off track just a little bit. So Kincaid Dent, one of the quarterbacks, and the other's Grant Tisdale. And when Phil Longo left to go be the offensive coordinator at North Carolina – there was some question as to whether or not Tisdale, who had been committed for a while and apparently had a pretty good relationship with Longo, was going to stick with that commitment. Do you do you know or do you think there was any wavering there? Um, Florida State was in play, but I, I'm not sure how much wavering was there. I think that was important for Ole Miss to get. Um, you know, I think that would have been one of the more negative surprises of the day had he flipped, but they were able to stick with him, and he will be on campus in January. 11 early enrollees, I, yes. I think. So I've got them 
right here. Sistrunk, Williams, Jackson, Jeffries, Haynes, oh, Richardson. Oh, hold on now. That didn't do anything for anybody. Let, let's walk through who these guys are. Gotcha. Sistrunk is Ashanti Sistrunk, linebacker from Louisville. Sorry, you've only got last names right there in front of you. Uh, no, I can, yeah, no, I've got both. Okay. I was just reading off what I'd written. So take me through them. Early, early enrollees that might make you perk up a little bit. Um, so as you said, Ashanti Sistrunk, a linebacker from Louisville, Mississippi. You have Sam Williams, a defensive end, who's a JUCO product that will be there. You have... This is going to be too hard to go through. Okay, so Sam Williams out of Northeast is a linebacker. And maybe that's not the, the right way to do it. Just that, that number is significant. It's something we talked about Haydad with earlier, early enrollees. That ability to come in and get a spring practice under your belt so that it's like you're not starting from scratch when fall camp begins on August 1st. It's a big deal. Yeah, no, certainly important. I mean, anytime you can go through spring ball and kind of get a head start, it certainly helps. Um. Three guys that are committed but did not sign national letters of intent today. Jonathan Mingo out of Brandon, Caleb Etienne out of New Orleans, and Jerrion Ely, the running back from uh, from Jackson Prep. Anything to read into with any of those three? Um, I don't think so as of right now. I think they're just waiting it out, but they, the, those three seem pretty fully committed to Ole Miss. You might see Georgia go after Mingo or something like that, but I, I, I think... As of right now, they're they're all right. It's really it's it's kind of remarkable when you look at what twenty eight so twenty five signed national letters of intent today, but that kind of goes along with the national averages, right? I mean, we we talked about what ninety to ninety two percent of the players that are out there all across the country would sign letters of intent today, and numbers kind of bear it out with Ole Miss, what, 25 of 28 commitments? Yeah, they got 25 that signed today, and so they got the the bulk of their work done today. And then 11 of those 25 will be on campus in January, which is, I mean, four years ago, maybe five, six years ago, that was just a foreign concept altogether. Yeah, I mean, I guess it just shows how things have changed and how these kids are eager to get in there and kind of get a head start on competing. Yeah, yeah. Who um, I, I ask uh, I ask Haydad this earlier about Mississippi State's class. Who's the most important player in this class for Ole Miss? Oh gosh, um, it might be Ely if they can actually get him there. <laughs> So, so the most important player in the class is a guy that a lot of people think is going to be a first-round draft pick and might not ever step on campus. I don't know. I mean, most important is such a relative term for Ole Miss because they have so many needs, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. So I'm not sure if there's just one guy that it's – I don't think there's one guy they got today that it's just kind of like you had to have him. So, so there's not necessarily a crown jewel in this class? No, I, th- I mean, I think them getting a couple of defensive players and, and Williams that, that, that can come in and kind of play immediately is helpful. But no, I don't think there's, a, I don't think it, I don't think you can single out a certain guy, but. Okay. So, so let me ask a, another one. You, you alluded to it just a second ago. Immediate impact players. It's probably Sam Williams. Okay. And that's the junior college defensive end. Um, out of the 25 or 28 that they end up with, how many do you think will will end up playing 
in their first year. A bunch. And you you think this is this is a group that's got many red shirts in it? And, and obviously the the red shirt, you know, maybe that's an unfair question, or at least it's a different question than it used to be because of the fact that everybody can play up to four games. Um, but but I guess I'm I'm looking at it kind of from a, you know somebody that could be on the two deep. I mean, how how many are there? Whew. You may think a couple of these offensive linemen may come in and maybe could, I, I don't know. I mean, you're so far off from that; it, it's hard to tell at this point. Yeah, I, that's fair. Nick Broker might be one that that uh, that people would look at who Ole Miss ultimately beat out Ohio State for uh, had been committed for uh, for a while. At uh, at this point, Sports Talk Mississippi. You can text the show 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. You can uh, also tweet us at Sports Talk M I S S Sports Talk Mississippi. Uh, on the uh, on the Twitter feed, Miles says goes back to the conversation we were having about Arkansas earlier. He says two reasons Arkansas may be part of the SEC protected class. You speak of. He says, number one, alumnus Jerry Jones. Number two, any person with the last name Walton. <laughs> so you're just going straight to billionaires that have ties to uh, to Arkansas is uh, the reason that people look at them differently. I uh, I don't know. Uh, it's an interesting, uh, kind of an interesting dynamic. And that's part of the conversation of um, when, when a team goes from really bad to recruiting at a really high level, then eyebrows, generally speaking, are raised. Arkansas was really bad last year. Since he's gotten there, the conversation has been Chad Morris will get after it on the recruiting trail. And clearly he's done that because Arkansas has got the number 12 class in the country. But fifth or sixth in the West, tough road. It is a tough road. And, I mean, that... <sighs> you, you... you we throw out the idea of cyclical in sports. Things will eventually change. It just kind of works in cycles. It's an awfully long cycle, isn't it? I mean, the East is getting better. There's no question about that. And so so that's part of it. But when you look at the rankings, t- tell me if these are unfamiliar names. Alabama 1, A&M 3, LSU 4. So three of the top four classes in the country are part of the SEC West. And really, you could just substitute A&M for Auburn because that's the spot where Auburn has been. Auburn's at number 14 right now, which is what, sixth in the West? Fifth in the West? Fifth. So Arkansas has got the fourth, um, fourth best class in the SEC West. And the 11th in the country. Yeah, it's almost as if college football is an uneven playing field and desperately lacks parity. Yeah. More coming up with you. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. Coming to you from the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. I'm calling when the snow's the most. Old tidings of Top 25 basketball action tonight. Samford's at Tennessee. Samford, not Stanford. Although Samford may be better than Stanford right now. Number five, Virginia's at South Carolina. That game's on the SEC Network at 6 o'clock. 
also at six on ESPN two. Number seven Auburn at NC State. That's a couple of nine and one teams. Uh, Florida State's got North Florida in town. Virginia Tech, nobody cares. Indiana hosting Central Arkansas, and Wofford is at number seventeen Mississippi State Bulldogs, a nine point favorite in that game. You were out when I gave this stat. So tell it. Well, you're not going to like it. You're a basketball guy, and and I'm certainly not, I guess. So it's confirmation bias. But the (laughs) New Mexico Bowl, I forget who played in it. I think it was North Texas and Utah State. The the Mm Gildan New Mexico Bowl Okay, had four times the amount of bets placed on that game than Kansas-Villanova did in the same day. Uh, I don't, Isn't that wild? I, I know yeah, it, does, it doesn't, doesn't really mean anything, me. but and football's a lot easier to bet on than December basketball, but still, isn't that wild? The New Mexico Bowl with two nobodies generated four times the gambling action that two basketball blue bloods did. That was Utah State against North Texas. Yeah, and Mason Fine got hurt and didn't play, and it was a blowout, but yeah. yeah. Utah State covered. It was 52. I don't know what the line was, but it was 52 to 30. I think Utah State was like an 11.5 point favorite. Speaking of covering, do you see Bill uh-huh. Clark and UAB last night? I did. Let's press pause just for a second because that's where I'm headed in just a moment. I want to tell you that Sports Talk's brought to you by Mississippi Land Bank. If you are looking to finance land, then look no further than Mississippi Land Bank if you're in North Mississippi. Check out their website, mslandbank.com. If you're a farmer with equipment needs, need to refinance a loan, you need to get crop loans for the coming year. Maybe it's time to buy a new piece of property or something else that kind of seems a little obscure but something that you need financing for. Mississippi Land Bank handles all that. They understand the farming business. They've been financing land for 100 years, and they're great people uh, with which to do business. MSLandBank.com. You can find a branch location all over North Mississippi, uh, or you can find branch locations all over North Mississippi, or you can uh, just grab the phone number and give them a call. All right, now it's time for the college football fix, and we will go to Borky's aforementioned UAB. College football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com to find out all about the year-end savings event that's going on right now Great deals on a lot of 2018 vehicles, including the F-150, including the Explorer, the Excursion, or excuse me, not Excursion, the Expedition. Uh, you can get 0% financing on a bunch of those vehicles uh, on top of the uh, the savings that the dealers have for you as well. Stop by Test Drive 1 today at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Borky, did you watch some of that game last night, UAB in Northern Illinois? As much as I could, yeah. The Cherubundi Boca Raton Bowl. UAB led 27 to 10 at the half. They outscored Northern Illinois 10 to 3 in the second half and won it 37 to 13. UAB, the Blazers, just finished a season in which they won 11 football games. So tell me this why has Bill Clark not been offered a better job? Because. I, I, part of me thinks it's it's a pride thing, but his program literally got destroyed. It went from existing to not existing. They got a, a an actual death penalty, something that SMU still hasn't really recovered from. <laughs> I mean, that was a decades-long penalty for SMU 
what what are we two years later this is the second season right after they came back and he wins 11 games and he wasn't even so much as mentioned in the coaching carousel this year certainly not prominently I, I think there are a couple of things at play there um one you get the feeling that he's happy UAB has done kind of all they can do to compensate him. They signed him to a new deal early on in the kind of coaching carousel process this season. But, I mean, you've seen other programs do that as well. I mean, Memphis signed um, Justin Fuente to a new deal right before he got the job at Virginia Tech just to kind of like show good faith and make it look good to their fans. That happened a few years ago. Bill Clark strikes me as, one, a heck of a football coach, and two, as a really good leader. I mean, think about think about the leadership skills that it takes to be a head football coach, to have your entire program ripped out from under you and disbanded, to not immediately run out the door, and then a couple of weeks later have this groundswell of support from boosters in the Birmingham community, and then having the program reinstated, but still being 18 or 19 or 20 months or whatever it was from playing games again, getting guys to stay on, bringing new players in, being altogether respectable but being left out of a bowl game a year ago, and then in year two of the program being reinstated, going 11-3 and and winning a conference championship. Borky, your, your, your question is an altogether reasonable one. Why is Bill Clark not getting an opportunity? I mean, if I'm an athletics director, and, and, and by the way, we've had – Coach Clark on this show before. And he struck me as a really down-to-earth, just decent guy. So so you got a, a guy that is an altogether decent human being, has shown great leadership qualities, has shown the ability to recruit to the level that he's coaching at and then win with the players he's got. To me, those are characteristics that if I was hiring a new football coach, I would be looking for. Jermaine on the Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter feed says, I've heard that Bill Clark is close to hanging it up in the state of Alabama and wants to stay at UAB for his last four years to get the biggest draw for retirement check. Jermaine, I get that. And that makes a lot of sense to me if you're a high school football coach or you are a school principal. You see that all the time. And there are other government jobs as well. It just feels like it's more common with like high school coaches and teachers. Because Bill Clark was a high school coach, so he's been in the state retirement system in Alabama for a long time, right? But at some point, you make enough money in your career where that retirement check becomes a little less important. If you spend... It, it, let's let's just say that you're in the education, like the, the secondary education field and you're coaching. And you spend the first 16 years of your teaching and coaching career in Mississippi 
making somewhere between forty and seventy thousand dollars, and you're successful and and everything goes well, and and let's just say you've been doing that at, at a medium sized school, and then the opportunity pops up a little bit later in your in your tenure, and you have the opportunity. Let me just use two small, two a medium-sized school and a big school in North Mississippi. Let's say you're at New Albany, and you have the opportunity to jump to Tupelo for the last four years, and you can make a little bit more as a teacher there, and you can make a lot more as a coach there, then it makes all the sense in the world to go and get those four high years because your retirement is based on the average of your four highest years paid. If Bill Clark has spent 15 years in the Alabama State retirement system, and the majority of that was at the high school level, and he was making between eighty and 110000 and now he's been at UAB and he's making 750000 or 900000 I don't know that it's going to matter as much to him, especially if he jumps from UAB to a bigger job where he's making $2.5 million. It feels like that retirement check is going to matter a little bit less. But I do think the point you're making is uh, is a reasonable one. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming with you, supertalk.fm. we got more coming up in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Got an interesting text message from a friend. Um, I guess I can say his name. Parrish Alford sent me a message. We were talking about UAB. And certainly not an angle that I thought of. He says, wonder if the success that UAB has had might encourage or embolden the NCAA to again use the death penalty. And I guess you would ask that question and that the NCAA would say, well, look, I mean, you can you can come back and be relevant again. I do think there's some differences. I mean, you threw out death penalty early, earlier, Borky, and I completely understand why you did. But I think there's some differences between an NCAA-imposed death penalty and you saying you're shutting down the program and then less than a month later changing your mind. And and they changed their mind because they had a, a wrath of booster support and and right. the decision to shut it down was a political move more so than it was because the program was sinking. So it, it is different because the the death penalty would remove the actual death penalty would and, and effectively did remove any support and rec- everything about your program. UAB got theirs back because it still existed. Right, it was almost a right. rallying cry. And you, 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 you get the NCAA death penalty, and and they're literally shuttering it. Like, like somebody might come in and put a padlock on the doors to your football facility. Like, nothing happens, and then you start from scratch. In the case of UAB, they didn't even lose all the players that they had on the team. They had some underclassmen that, that stuck it out. And so that foundation was there, and then they kind of started building on that. It isn't it. But listen. The the folks at the folks at the NCAA, I mean, having differences in those two scenarios, 
I, I could altogether see what Parrish suggested just a second ago, and that's that. Well, the NCAA would say, well, look, I mean, UAB, they basically got the death penalty, and they're fine. Two, they won a conference championship in 11 games two years after coming back. You'll be okay. Yeah. Well, it's an organization that's incapable of, of understanding nuance. I mean, Mark Emmert, the head of the entire organization, said he's against legalized sports gambling because if a kicker misses a big kick, he has to go to class with somebody who lost money on the game. As if that doesn't happen already. Exactly. I mean, there's never been. A... <laughs> Come on, man. I mean, there's never been an incident where a kicker missed a big kick and got harassed by his fellow students and fans. That's never happened before. But man, if they can bet on the game, it's dangerous. Look, there. Was, I, I, I've told this before. There was a a cartoonist, uh, a cartoon artist. What, what do you call somebody that draws cartoonist. cartoons for the newspaper? A cartoonist. At the Daily Mississippian when I was in either junior high or high school. And I don't remember who the kicker was at the time. But the cartoon that ran in the paper on Monday morning after a particularly difficult Saturday for the kicker at the time had a row of cars. So there are like three or four cars parked. And then there's an empty parking spot, and then there are like four or five more cars parked in a row. So your empty parking spot, you've obviously got two yellow stripes, one down each side, and it shows a guy sitting behind the wheel of a car about to turn in the parking spot saying, oh, please, oh, please, oh, please, oh, please, oh, please. (laughs) And it's the kicker for the football. Like he's got his football helmet on and his jersey on sitting behind the driver's seat. Buddy of mine said it was Brian Lee at the time, uh, who who went on to have a really good senior year. I, I don't know if that's who it was or not, but uh, anyway, I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, it's like the only cartoon that's ever really stuck with me for uh, for a long period of time. Um, Borky, you mentioned Pro Bowl rosters earlier. Those came out. There's a difference in being selected for the Pro Bowl and being all pro. Pro Bowl is an honor. All Pro is, it's like you're a first-team All-American or first-team All-Conference. Right. Here are the rosters. We won't do all of them. We'll just do some interesting people. Quarterbacks for the NFC, Drew Brees, Jared Goff, Aaron Rodgers. Pretty good group. Yeah, Rodgers over Russell Wilson is, eh, you could argue against that, but... Otherwise, it's fine. Running backs are Todd Gurley, Saquon Barkley, and Ezekiel Elliott. What do, what do these asterisks mean? Starters. Okay, those are the starters. Todd Gurley starting, Saquon Barkley is the backup, Ezekiel Elliott is another backup. That's a pretty darn good backfield, and that's a pretty young backfield. Wide receivers Julio Jones, Michael Thomas, Adam Thielen, Devontae Adams, Adams from Green Bay. Um, are we looking at any linemen? Does that matter? Nah. Cameron Jordan from the Saints, a defensive end. Demarcus Lawrence from Dallas, also a defensive end. Uh, interior lineman on the NFC side, Aaron Donald. Fletcher Cox from the Philadelphia Eagles and Akeem Nix. Khalil Mack, one of the outside linebackers from the Bears. Ryan Kerrigan from the Redskins. Man, there's some good defensive players out there. Uh, Patrick Peterson, former LSU Tiger and current Chicago Bear corner. 
is in the group. All right, so who got snubbed? That's what we're really looking at, right? Well, in the NFC, I, there's a little bias involved, but Alvin Kamara, I think, right now, currently, is a better running back than Saquon Barkley. And you could argue that he's more value, more valuable, a subjective term, that he is more useful than Ezekiel Elliott. The problem is Alvin Kamara also has an equally very good running back on his roster as well. But him not being in the Pro Bowl as one of the best running backs in the NFL is almost criminal. The Pro Bowl voting is a joke, and it has been for a while, but the ones that come to mind are Luck, Russell Wilson, and Chris Jones. Yeah, I mean, Chris Jones is about to break a sack record. You haven't gone through the AFC yet, but Chris Jones is about to break a sack record and was omitted from the Pro Bowl. Laramie Tunsil, at left tackle in the NFL, has given up one sack the entire season and did not make the Pro Bowl. Hmm. Quarterbacks for the AFC, Pat Mahomes from Kansas City, Phillip Rivers from the Chargers, and Brady from the Patriots. I would agree that uh, Luck should be in over Brady. That's a joke. And, and the voting is is divided in thirds. It's okay. coaches, players, and fans. All right. So fans would only take one-third of that, right? Because Brady, just because of his name, gets in over Andrew Luck. I get that. But how are the coaches and the players picking Tom Brady in the year he's had over Andrew Luck in the year he's had? Doesn't make any sense at all. See the running backs? Uh, the starter, Le'Veon Bell from... Oh, wait. No, that's not Le'Veon Bell. That's James Conner from Pittsburgh. How'd that whole holdout thing work for you? Lev? <laughs> His agent should have been fired like six weeks well, ago. Yeah, maybe that cat's going to get paid big next year. <laughs> big. He better get paid big. Tom Brady making it is something. Yeah. They've literally had to transform to like a power running team because they've realized that they literally can't rely on him to throw the ball to win games. His and that's uh, fine, but he's 40. His final drive against Pittsburgh last week was not his best work. Suboptimal. Suboptimal. Melvin Gordon from the Chargers, Philip Lindsay from the Broncos, those are the three running backs. The receivers, DeAndre Hopkins from the Texans, Tyreek Hill from Kansas City, Antonio Brown from Pittsburgh, Keenan Allen from the Chargers, Travis Kelsey, Kansas City's tight end, is the starter at tight end. So the offensive line, the guys that made it on the um, offensive tackles, Taylor Lewan from Tennessee is a starter, Alejandro Villanueva from Pittsburgh is a starter, and then Eric Fisher from Kansas City. Did you see what Taylor Lewan did today in his press conference? No. What yeah, he, he called out our Fantastic. buddies at A to Z Sports. What did he say? <laughs> he said, so apparently a while back they'd either Three wrote, years ago. Okay. Yeah, they'd either wrote or like said that players are bo- either born with or without the ability to make a Pro Bowl, and Taylor Lewand doesn't have it. And so he basically literally, it, it, I couldn't tell from the camera shot, but it looks as if they were standing in his media scrum, and he said, I am glad y'all are here, like y'all are here, to witness this so you can feel terrible about yourselves. And here I sit three years later, y'all can suck it. <laughs> wow. Yeah, straight to so their that face, was to, man. Uh, <laughs> that was to Bingham and... Uh, and Austin Stanley, yeah. Wow. <laughs> did they respond or did they just Oh, they say, loved it. They thought it was hilarious. and It, it was lighthearted. Yeah. Okay. It was still a power move. Yeah. We'll, we'll own that one. We'll own that one. Um, J.J. Watt starting defensive end along with Miles Garrett. 
Um, that's two good ones. Two good ones. Von Miller, outside linebacker from the Broncos, along with Davian Clowney. Uh, C.J. Mosley, inside linebacker. Benardrick McKinney makes the Pro Bowl from the Texans, former Bulldog. Uh, see Jalen Ramsey, a corner from Jacksonville. Yeah, is he a Pro Bowl corner this year? Absolutely not. He's in the Pro Bowl because he talked like one this offseason. Remember Derwin James at Florida State a couple of years ago? Remember how good that guy was on Labor Day night? Yeah, he's now a Pro Bowl safety. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.